welcome to the Mind Chimp Podcast. Hey Adam, welcome to the Mind Chimp Podcast. How are we doing? Very well, thank you, Danny. How are you? I'm wonderfully well. I'm wonderfully well. I mean, yeah, it's a bit rainy outside, but hey, I'm talking to you and that makes everything all good. Thank you, man. It's been a long time coming, right? We've, we've been trying to get this one in the diary for a while. Wow. Yeah, just a bit. I mean, I think originally we tried for season one, right? And then obviously, you know, life was life and, and busy is busy, but we're here. We made it. We made it, man. We made it. Hopefully it all goes well and I'm successfully part of season two or three. Yeah. Is that it's three, right? No, it's going to be season two, this. I, ah, think, okay, I think we're sorry. going to squeeze you in the back end of season two. So, yeah. Made, we made the cut-off, we made the cut-off. So, so Adam, I guess, yeah, first thing I tend to do is I tend to ask my guests um, to pick four numbers, please, if you could, from one to 100. All right, 26. Yep. 27. Okay. And zero. Oh, no, hold on. Did you give me the zero there? Or no, one to 100? Yeah, Sorry. one to 100. I was, I was uh, at the casino at the weekend. And they were my lucky numbers. And I zero and 27 came in. That's why I went to that place. Okay. Apologies. So I'm going to change it to five as well. Five. So we've got 26, 27, number five, and one more, please. One more. 13. Awesome. We will come back to them a little bit later on. So yeah, as you, as you know, Adam, from season one, I kind of asked my guests to, to kind of summarize their logline. So can you, uh, can you remember what your logline was? Yes, I can. I've said my log line is a young and hopeless holiday rep who knows only sun, sea and sangria and very little else. He comes home to attempt a career in learning and development. Will he sink or swim? Wow. Okay. That's pretty, that's a pretty <laughs> impressive log line right there. I took inspiration from, because when you said log line, I, I, I had to Google it as you do. And obviously all the log lines I come across were Hollywood film log lines uh so i took some inspiration from that and you know i i try to think about if it was a story you know that this would tantalize and uh, give people a bit of curiosity of what happened to that young and hopeless holiday rep i like it i think you nailed it i think you nailed it <laughs> so so i guess kind of let's start at the beginning eh? so when, when you was when you was um when you was really young and you was in school and the teacher would say adam what do you want to be when you grow up what what would you say to the teacher I remember uh, wanting to be a cartoonist, um, drawing like cartoons, comics, Simpsons characters, Spider-Man, that type of stuff. Um, I'm a bit gutted I never really continued with it, but I think that maybe that's where like my creative edge comes in. I was also, at the same time, the reason I remember that so well and so vividly when I had to talk about like what I wanted to be when I was older was in the same class, one of my best friends at the time, who remained nameless, um, when they were asked what they wanted to be when they are older, they said a normal man. Um, I found that quite funny um, <laughs> because the picture of a normal man was a man waving at a taxi in a suit. Um, I don't know to this day if he's gone on to be a normal man, but anyway, that's, that's all I remember about that particular moment. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, yeah, but yeah, I wanted to be a cartoonist, basically. Nice. Okay. Okay. So, so kind of, what I want to do is I kind of want to jump in with some um, some some buzz, buzzwords bingo. And I guess for me, it's a case of I'm going to throw some um, some names out at you, some words. Sorry. And yeah, I just want I just want to see what what comes to mind as soon as I say these words. Okay. Okay. Are we ready? Yeah. 
Okay, first one is digital learning. Convenience. Okay. Um, classroom. Overused. Okay. L and D. Um, I would say uncertain. Okay, and we'll do one more. Performance support. Underrated. Okay, okay. So we will definitely get into them for sure. <laughs> so, so I guess kind of yeah. Let you know. For, you know, me and you talk quite a bit, but I guess maybe for our listeners who 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 maybe don't know who you are, maybe you could give us a bit of a, a whistle stop tour of kind of where you've come from, right away through to kind of where you are now. Absolutely. Um, so I started life, and I go back to my logline as a holiday rep. So basically, that was if you went on a package holiday with your family, or you know, with your girlfriend, or your whatever, I would be the guy that met you off the coach and lead you on the coach to the hotel. And then I would try and sell you a camel safari in the morning at the welcome meeting. And then I'll basically bug you the whole week or two weeks on holiday until you go home and tick excellent on my customer service question. And that was basically my job. Like, and I went from different places around Europe, mainly Magaluf, if I'm honest. Um, and like at Thomas Cook, you got, quite quick progression from an overseas perspective. So I was like rep, supervisor, then went up from there. And when you became a good enough rep or a good enough manager, you had this permission to then train other reps. And that would involve you basically being an induction trainer where floods of reps would come over, you train them, and then they would then be their fully fledged rep from there onwards. Um, and that's when I kind of fell into L&D, really. So I, I, I kind of went from an overseas background. I took some time and I was in the UK with Thomas Cook. I was in the most glamorous destinations of Bradford and Peterborough with Thomas Cook. And I had some excellent adventures. I went to the World Cup. I with Thomas Cook Sport. Um, and I did some crazy, um, crazy adventures, really. Like I went to Dominican Republic for one day's, of, one day's worth of training. Um, <laughs> that type of stuff. And I, but I, I've been there a long time. So then I kind of went from there to a consultancy um, and I was there for three months. And I, you know, I would say that everyone is allowed a career fail in their life. That was mine. Um, and then I learned a lot from that, kind of um, dusted myself down and then thought, right, L&D, what, you know, what's the score? Do I still want to be involved with it? Do I not? And I then powered on, I continued. So I didn't sink completely. And um, I went on to mainly in retail from there. I got my foot in the door in the retail world at Poundland, first of all, which is a very interesting move for me, then Ted Baker. And then where I kind of probably did a lot of the digital stuff and probably came into my own a little bit was at ASOS, where I've been for the last four years. And more recently at Revolut, uh, which is a fintech startup. And then I've uh, recently accepted another role at a hospitality brand. So if you can keep up with that timeline, um, then I've been around the block a little bit, um, but all all very different, different industries. And I feel like I've learned a hell of a long, long a hell of a lot along the way in terms of like my view and my outlook of L&D and you know, what I was at the start, which is an out and out stand up deliverer trainer. So kind of my view of where L&D is right now, it's, you know, it's, dramatically different so um 
there you go, Danny. Did, I, I reckon you've learned a little bit along the way there as well, Matt. Did you did you know all of that timeline? No, no, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. But I mean, first things first, right? Congrats on on the new role, my friend. Congrats. So, yeah, I mean, the first thing I want to know is a little bit about kind of Thomas Cook. I mean, yeah. So, kind of what? So, what the stuff was you doing? I mean, did you meet anyone famous or kind of? I'm assuming <laughs> you would or what? I don't know. Well, um, you know, I guess along the way, I saw a few celebs that went on holiday, but they were like kind of Z-list celebs. But I think one of the things that was really interesting, Danny, was like, it felt like I I was like on the judging panel of X Factor, because basically this was, if you, you know, we always talk about induction and onboarding, and we still talk about it in L&D, but at Thomas Cook, it was like a league of its own. Basically, if you went through the process of wanting to be a holiday rep, you would go for an interview, then you'd be told, right, you've got to go to an induction, a week-long induction. What they wouldn't tell you is it's actually a week-long assessment. And essentially that week, you'd be in training rooms and be on coaches and be doing like mock welcome meetings. At the same time, you'd be monitored the whole way through. And um, if you weren't up to standard, you'd be kicked off. But bearing in mind that you probably at this point told a lot of people back home, hey, I'm going over over to uh, do this induction course because it wasn't just in the UK, it was in Mallorca. So we flew you out there, you had this week induction course, and then you might, if you were you know, not up to standard, be sent home. Um, and it was intense to the max. And it was almost felt like a bit of a boot camp that people had to go through. Um, but it was, it was great because I think it was my first real experience of like learning that, you know, when people are really put under pressure and like when when they really did, you know, show their true ability and skills, it was mainly just the practice. If they were like, if they were doing the job, like if they were on a coach and practicing, or they were doing a mock welcome introduction, they that's when they normally would shine. Um, but in terms of you know beyond that, beyond the boot camp part, the one one thing I've already mentioned was the uh, Thomas Cook Sport, which was one of my kind of I'd say. Uh, showcase moments at Thomas Cook because I basically got, got offered the chance to go over to South Africa for the World Cup to train Thomas Cook guides on how to look after England football fans. Uh, that was the kind of that was the gig, um, which was amazing. Um, but in in amongst all of that, I had to look after the likes of Brian Barwick, um, who was like head of he used to be head of I think the FA, I think so, and he was talking about football players in on first name terms and of, of of that Thomas Cook period, Thomas Cook Sports, should I say, I also had to like train Mel C's dad. Um <laughs> the really weird one. <laughs> um if he's listening, then sorry, but I'm gonna say he was the worst delegate I've ever experienced. Um, you know, he basically came up to me 15 minutes within the tra- first training session we were training him how to look after the customers that might be a little bit um naughty on coaches etc and he was like look i don't need to do this training course i'm not returning i'm never coming back and he left the training room and i walked around and we came back and he was fine but other than that so yeah when you say celebrities i don't know if mel c's dad qualifies as a celebrity danny but like you know you know maybe it is maybe it's yeah i mean i mean why not for the sake of it why not I'm sure this is probably the, the highlight of his career, having you talk about him on, on a Mansion podcast. So, all is <laughs> So, so kind of you go, you kind of go from Thomas Cook, and then 
you mentioned um, the three months what you did consultancy and, and um, I can kind of relate to that, you know, with my past and stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah, kind of, so the consultancy wasn't, wasn't for you, right? How long did it take you to kind of figure that one out, I guess? I I think that when you come from a corporate world and you go into such a, you know, you're basically then, you know, offering, you have to put something together like a pitch or a report for a client and the pressure's on and the deadlines are tougher and, you know, everything's, everything's monitored, you know, in terms of your hours and, you know, your workload and your output and everything else. And uh, I think it was just the, the pressure was was too much. But I, I, I talked about, I actually did talk about this whole episode of me working in the consultancy on another podcast that actually never got published so uh, if the person's listening who never published it apparently it might come out at a later date but basically it, i referred to it as my favorite mistake because it was one that i think in you know in any any career not just L D, you know you have, you learn a lot from just you know you can take away a lot from your um if something doesn't work out, you have to really kind of sit back and reflect on, okay, what was it? What what would I avoid next time? And I always say that, you know, when anyone is going for their career, whatever age they are, it's like if you're allowed to still make a mistake and then pick yourself back up and like then move on and be better for it and be stronger for it as a result. So, you know, it was a short stint, Danny. And like you said, if you can relate to it, you're in the same boat as I am because you probably learned a lot off the back of your you know experience it's just kind of as long as you come out of it stronger that's the most important thing yeah no i, I think to be fair you know you lasted you lasted way longer than me i walked out within a week um <laughs> <laughs> yeah so kind of you know what and it, it wasn't it wasn't necessarily my team or anything like that it was just the the, the consultancy beast i guess i mean and which is bizarre because i guess right now i'm at a consultancy right but yeah. i think the consultancy with what i'm at right now is is way more it feels and this sounds really kind of you know kind of what you hear all the time but it is it's got it's, it's consulting what's a, what has this family feel yeah which, that makes sense yeah, yeah which which is which is actually really nice to be in and really nice to be a part of you know the people are awesome so like yeah but i guess kind of you know i can kind of relate to that so then you go from there and you you go to am I right in saying this? You go to ASOS then from that point onwards. Oh no, you missed two you missed two jobs there. Oh. You must have not been listening properly when I told you my timeline. But I did talk very fast. I must admit, I went <laughs> I went to the Poundland and I went to Ted Baker and they were short. They were quite short stints, but they they really helped me get my foot in the door from a retail perspective. And I think that's where I started to maybe kind of the latter stage at uh, Ted Baker um, really kind of start to discover and be more aware of performance support actually you know and we the the role I took at Ted Baker was only like a short-term role basically they're rolling out this big project that involved a new system like a new tool system and you know one of the things that was talked about from the L&D perspective was lots of classroom training you know putting people from classroom and I I at this point was like this doesn't feel right and I think one of the things I wanted to kind of point out that like you know this Throughout my whole career, even from the very start, the one thing I'd like to think I've always had is empathy for the end user and empathy for the person you're creating or building training for. And, you know, when when you consider, you know, building, let's say, for example, you're in a training course that you're being taught how to learn uh, to use a system and then you're not actually going to use that system for another three months, you're going to forget it. And all these sort of realizations came to me at Ted Baker. And I think that's when I kind of started to kind of go, there must be a different way. There must be um, 
a way that allows people to learn in workflow when that problem or that point of need arises they got somewhere to turn to that isn't a big manual and I started to look at performance support and I think it just kind of continued on from there Danny so that's when at ASOS I already had that bit between my teeth that I thought you know L&D I was a bit maybe kind of I would I'd felt like I'd seen seen the the training part the delivery part and maybe not seen what I needed to see in terms of the impact made from people actually doing anything different as a result of what I was putting in place so I think that that led me into a good place when I went to ASOS to be able to kind of go right I want to be the agent of change I want to be able to go in there go in there and identify real problems and try and solve those real problems not just kind of like try and put a you know a training course one and done programming that's going to solve everyone's problem so um that's kind of where I really feel like I've started to kind of carve out what is really my uh, my kind of I suppose principles and approach to a learning and development so, so I can I think this is kind of making me think about, I'm sure I read an article about this, actually. I think it was in people, I think it was like a people management article. I think it it was with you. I think we were talking about um, electronic performance support, I think, regarding systems, I think. Yeah, that's that's right. I was wearing a really, really bad suit and waistcoat in the video, and I I don't like to talk about it too much because of it, that... If that gets seen by too many people, then I'm <laughs> done for, you know, especially after working at ASOS. But they, and it was a Ted Baker suit, but I just don't think it, it, it just didn't suit me, Danny. But basically, my point in there was, and I think it was the headline that, I think mean, it was a training zone article, to be precise. But what they, what the article headline was, there, there's too much of a gap between the training and application. And my point was that, you know, exactly like I said before, that the big thing that I think LD, uh, struggle with and I picked up on this from a post from our very good friend David James is when the word when and you know is a problem for learning and development because you know they believe that if they schedule a program and someone attends they're going to remember it all and then they realize that it's it's time poor because what they might put in someone's head at one point by the time it comes to actually applying what they've put in their head there's too much of a gap and I think that was the point I was trying to make you know when I was referring to Ted Baker and referring to what I was trying to instill there is that when you come to sort of training something like a system you need to have something that's like you know I think I refer to it as um, well performance support electronic performance performance support at its very like old school form is that is that paperclip that we we got annoyed by on the Microsoft Word or Microsoft package where it would come up and say, hey, do you need help? And I think that's, if you had something that would help you at the time you needed it, and it was there for you when you came across a problem or a challenge, then that is ultimately the place you want to get to, you know? And that that's was that that was my point in that article, really. It's interesting. I think what, one of the things if I can remember rightly, and I think there was another one about performance support as well, which which I came across, I think it was a while back actually, but but kind of, um, you talk about this filling the gap and, you know, we'll probably, maybe we'll get into this a little bit later on, but that kind of specific versus general, and I think, you know, I think in, in the article you mentioned kind of, um, you, 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 you fix that gap what Google leaves behind, you know, kind of, yeah. it's that thing in it, kind of, I can tell you how to be great at your job, but I can't tell you how to be great at your job at specific company for a specific yeah. person. Absolutely. I think that, you know, that's something I've tried to stay true to the whole way through this. I think that, you know, we talked about digital and you asked me at the start, Danny, what, what I, you know, what do I think about when I think about digital? And I, I think it's 
you know, I think that we we have a huge amount of opportunity at, at you know in L and D to be able to you know use digital in the right way, and you know that that for me is servicing useful stuff when it's needed and helps us get closer to the point of need, but also it allows us to really help people in workflow with the right stuff, not just anything, because I think that's where L&D gets stuck a little bit, is that digital isn't just a learning management system we've shed loads of content in. That's, you know, that's not you doing digital. You do digital is actually helping people with the problems they've got, you know, and I think I always call back to, you know, the best apps or the best websites, whatever, that we go to, that we use in our daily lives, the stuff that solve problems. And, you know, the reason we go back to it every time is because it keeps on solving that problem and it's convenient for us. And that's why I use the word convenience when I was referring to digital is because if you are solving the problem that they've got at that particular time, whether it be through transition, whether it be like, whether they're starting an organization, whether they're a new manager, whether they're going through change, whatever it might be, if you are doing that and you're doing, you know, then, and you're doing it through digital, that is for me, the truly the truly great way that L and D can kind of pioneer a new way of thinking digitally because it's not a content thing it's it's not a case of just putting content in front of people and going there you go we've solved all your problems it's like how do you how can you solve them in a digital way and you know i think I've, i'd like to think i've i've had some great experiences with that in my on my career you know through asos and now going into revolut and hopefully into this new role of being able to solve real problems with digital nice so, so kind of yeah i mean obviously being aware to kind of the, the role and then you know you you kind of only kind of just going to be starting it but can you tell us a little bit about what what this role is and, and kind of you know what's what, what's the one thing what's really exciting about this new role um i just it's a new challenge danny i think because um you know it's it's basically in hospitality um across hotels and restaurants and what you've got, I suppose, is going to be very different for me, uh, but also equally a challenge I'm very excited by is you've got a workforce that is not just like office-based. Um, you've got a workforce that are um, include like chefs, um, waiting staff, front desk, and people that are like busy, people that come into work on a Monday and L&D or isn't at the forefront of their mind. They're not going, right, where can I go on a course? They're going, like, I want to do my job and, like, get out of my way and let me do my job. And, like, I think for me, that excites me because, you know, rather than pulling them, pulling those type of people off what they're doing and what they love doing onto a training course and going, hey, you need to listen to me for three hours. It's going, how can we help them with the actual jobs they're trying to do or what they're trying to achieve? And that's where I really think that, you know, I'm, I'm hoping I get the opportunity to really kind of, lift them up and give people that are busy with busy jobs to do um, an opportunity to still develop and progress at, along the way and help them with any friction or pain points or problems that they experience through driving L&D forward. And I think the, the key thing here is, whereas I think L&D sometimes can take people off away from work, it's how can L&D work alongside people? How can you be alongside them and not distract them, but just be there when you when they need you? And you're almost like the way I think about it is like you're not you're invisible. You're invisible. You're basically, you're not you're not there to like drag them away or even they don't have to think about L&D. You're just there alongside, and when they need you, you're there delivering the goods. That's my view of how L&D should be, really. Yeah, no, invisible learning is is definitely the way thing the the way forward. I think. Um, 
and and I think I talked about Invisible in a, a good while, probably about three or four years ago. But fundamentally, I think one of the quickest wins with with let's use the term Invisible Learning is kind of using the environment, right? You know, the environment yeah. is is um, it's a thing. It's a flowing thing. It's a movement. It's this this thing. But I think a lot of times we make when I say we, I mean just in general, but we make the assumption that the environment is static and actually it's not, it ebbs and flows. And, and, you know, I think once we start tapping into that physical environment, I think that's where we can really target that kind of, you know, in that flow of work, especially when uh, one one example kind of jumped out, just thinking about now is kind of, you know, the thing with the prep and, and kind of labeling of, you know, f- what was in the food products and stuff like that. And I think yeah. in the end it comes down to, I think that's one of its biggest challenges, right? It's like, how can we, how can we give people the way to kind of upskill, learn, whatever, which doesn't take a time away, and where they can have time to to give back to the customer as well, like yeah, absolutely, absolutely, mate. Because you know for sure that you know there's lots of reasons why we wouldn't like always advocate classroom training because not only is you know you're asking people to come off away from their job. And they, you know, you're, you know, you're losing money the moment they're off the floor, but you then putting information in their head with the hope that they're going to remember it when they actually go back and try to apply it. There's lot, there's so many reasons, and I think that you're right, Danny. We've known for years, right? Well, maybe centuries. <laughs> I don't know that, like, the vast majority of development occurs on the job. And, you know, when you connect people together, and so I guess it's that kind of why aren't we? You know, why don't why can't we just you know put more eggs in that basket where we, we recognize that hold on a minute like you said if, if it's the environment around people where they get most out of you know and they learn most and they're kind of challenged most and experience most why are we still forever taking people away from that and you know i think this is where i think lnd has got a little bit of catching up to do because we're kind of not moving as fast as the business wants us to move and i think that we're still ever so slightly obsessed with this one and done approach of classroom and, you know, this idea that we, we have to be seen to be doing something. And usually that involves you being in front of someone, you know, in a, in a classroom. And I think that's where I think that it still happens, you know, even in the most digital savvy organizations, it's, it definitely still happens. I think that like, um, it's one that I think we need to all kind of step back from it and go, actually, when did we, you know, what, what made us kind of get to that point where it, it's now become expected that we are, delivering training courses so so kind of just just maybe let's step back away from Andy for a second and 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 you can't use the new role for this question now so okay. so kind of what's been what would you say has been your and we can these questions apply to professional personal or wh- however you want to take them Adam um but what's been the biggest personal success for you in the last 12 months that last 12 months I think the um I think the one thing at, at Revolut, bearing in mind, you know, I'm I'm close to kind of 12 months there. Um, I didn't run a single training course, Danny. And, you know, that 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 fills me with joy. And I'm not like, I'm not the kind of guy who's going to go, right, I'm I not, no, I'm not saying no to training courses, but I'm just like, it allowed, I was having, you know, I was having really good conversations with senior leaders about the problems they're experiencing, working at the speed of the business to solve those problems and it didn't involve me running a training course and i think that was one thing i look back and i think i didn't need to i was leading with digital we were you know we identified a problem spoke to the user group 
find, found a way of knocking it down, iterating on it, getting feedback, moving on to the next thing and continually working in that cycle. Um, and it didn't involve me taking people off the floor and getting taking people away from their job. I think that was one thing that I really liked. And maybe another, another thing that I'll take away from my experience there that I, I think is t- totally underestimated in terms of you know, the future of L&D is automation. You know, I think that um, I, I, I knew a little bit about it, probably in my you know, time, knowing that it's not just about having the right content. It's when it lands in people's inboxes. It's when it lands on their lap and it's, it's the point they need it. Not Because obviously, if you've got some really rich content that's you know, super contextual, super specific, super personalized, that's fine. But the next step, layer up from that is when does it go to them? When does it drop into their uh, inbox? When like, is it at the point they need it? And like, you know, Revolut taught me that, you know, because that's that's what they're all about is automation is that, you know, for their customer, but doing it for the user is going, okay, how can we, uh, if we've got this, this, you know, this content, how can we make sure that it's not just static and it not just sits there and we wait for people to find it? How can we make sure it's dropped into the right person at the right time and the right place? Um, and that's something I will take away that I think will continue to be a big part of learning and development going forward, Danny. Yeah, no, no, completely, completely agree. I think it sounds awesome to kind of hear that success story as well, because it, it's a it's a scale, right? You've got one end of of say L and D who are all are all classroom. I mean, you've got the other end which is kind of all, and I'll use this term e learning, the click next kind of example. And then, yeah. and then you've got kind of the stuff what you're doing, which is kind of in that sweet spot. It's kind of being really specific and precise with when classroom or training is needed in that respect. But actually, when is it just a simple thing of we, we just need to make these people better at the job and make it easier for them? Absolutely. There's one thing, just a, another kind of moment that I feel like I was going to write a blog on this and unfortunately never got around to doing it, Danny, but it reminded me of you when I remember when we first started talking and you, you, you expressed um talking about fish where the fish are is that you can probably what is what's the quote that you say about yeah what is that (laughs) it's fish where the fish live (laughs) that's the one right so i think i want to just like share this very short success story that i was going to write a blog about particularly with mandatory and compliance training is that i think it's about using the tools and this is obviously you know it relates to that quote Danny is that use look at the tools that already exist in the organization where are people communicating where do they live what are they doing and I I noticed quite quickly well it didn't take it took me in within my first day to realize that everything through Revolut was through Slack everything the you know the teams the chat the social stuff the that's how work got done so ultimately you know when I was trying to get them over to a learning platform to complete this very good specific um compliance module that we'd created from the ground up and it was all all good content but that wasn't enough it was like how can we make sure it's integrated with slack so when they for example need to complete it they don't get an email notification that would be completely alien to them because they don't use email it's how do we integrate with slack so it felt like it was part of the ecosystem that they lived in already and i think that goes back to you know a few things which is how can you be alongside the person that you're trying to get in front of and also, you know, how can you, uh, how can you put the the fish? How can you basically, you know, to your point, Danny, with your quote, how can you um, give them give them the kind of world of L and D that's not a, a completely in a in a different world to them? How can you make sure that it's kind of in, in their space, basically? 
Yeah. So that was one thing that was really kind of a proud moment for me. And that the as a result and the output of that was if you do that and you do that well and you make it part of the world they're already in, then the results showed because we we got incredible um, results in terms of completion, which I know is, you know, we talk about data, but when it comes to managing training, that is still considered a big, big tick in the mm. box. If you're getting people to complete it, new hires and, you know, refreshes, et cetera. Like within the first two weeks, you'd have almost like 85 to 90% completion. And that was because all the nudges, the notifications, the pushes, all coming through and all integrated with Slack, which is, you know, a big thing for me, really, making sure that you're integrating it with real life tools they actually use. Nice. Sounds awesome. Sounds awesome. And I guess, I think one of the biggest things we, and I say we, I do it as a general, but kind of one of the things what LD tend to do is kind of go, Hmm, let's let's bring in this new system. Let's give our users a massive culture shock, a change shock, because they're going away from the stuff which is second nature. So then they've got to go through this learning curve of learning a new system, learning a new platform, getting comfortable with a new system, getting comfortable with a new platform, and whatever else. And you just think it's pointless. It's absolutely pointless because then you're going to have to, throw, like you say, throw all your money into kind of pushing them there rather yeah. than kind of just allowing them to be where they are and, and fundamentally most of your activity happens wherever your community is anyway so yeah exactly exactly and how can you kind of be in that you know because otherwise if you're not then it just it basically if you if you're not there and you're trying to force them over to let's say for example a learning management system you're not kind of playing the game really you're not kind of you're not being on their you're not not kind of meeting other their terms you know you're just trying to push them over to somewhere that's unfamiliar to them and, you know, that's already an uphill battle if you're doing that. You know, you're trying to kind of say, hey, over here, I'm in this this system you've never been before. You're probably going to find it very uncomfortable, but I'm trying to push you to come over here. If you're doing that and then you've also got content that's not great that they need to go through, it's just not going to happen. You're just you're going to be fighting an uphill battle to try and get people to even get to that place where they're willing to stop what they're doing in their workflow nip over and log on to your learning management system to go through this click next e-learning whatever it might be you, 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 you're against the tide basically so it's kind of you know how can you make sure that you're working you know with the tools that exist already would be my biggest takeaway yeah it sounds, it sounds like you did some kind of really good audience immersion and kind of really get in you know empathize with your user and stuff and kind of really understand their world sounds like you yep. kind of did that from the get-go which which sounds awesome sounds awesome thank you <laughs> no no and so 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 kind of i guess these questions might make feel like coming a bit thick and fast but that's kind of the idea however you know if you want to go deep on them let's go deep it's, it's as light mm. or as deep touch you want to go with these adam but yeah. if you used to give a gift of a book to five people and this could be a, maybe a book what you've read and it's changed your life or a book what you think everybody should read what book would you give um that's a great question danny i think that the um i think the one that like stands out for me um i think the chimp paradox actually the um you know the kind of the guy who um talks about the kind of you know breaks down the the brain in the very simple form that we've all got that kind of monkey inside our brain that like is is desperate to get out and is five times stronger than the normal human part of your brain uh, and you can kind of let it get ahead of you and let it kind of take over you if you allow it to. And um, that's for me, I thought it was a kind of strong message because it, obviously we have to kind of come to terms with, you know, this whole, you know, the kind of way we think and, you know, the whole uh, logic and um, 
logic and feeling each time and left and right brain. And it just, for me, it kind of allowed me to kind of really articulately see how we work as humans. And that was one of the things, one of my biggest takeaways from that book, really. So I would probably give that one as a gift for someone who is struggling or someone who would probably need need a reminder that, you know, we've all got the same brains and we've all got the kind of emo- same emotional responses to things, really. Nice, nice. I, I loved the, um, in that book, the, the thing where it kind of asked you to name your chimp and make it personal. I really, I, yeah, I thought it was a nice touch. Yeah, for sure. I think that, that then kind of, it breaks down this kind of, confusing confusion and complex thing we have in our heads you know it kind of allows you to just simplify it and if you can do that then you're kind of halfway there aren't you nice okay so, so kind of let's go for another let's throw another spin yeah. right you so so i guess kind of coming out of the football stadium a million people are going to leave the stadium and we're all going to see this billboard and you can put whatever you want on that billboard whatever message you want to shape a million people's minds what what message would you put on that billboard? Man, I it, you know what it varies so much. Um, I think the uh, oh man, maybe I won't be watching too much Black Mirror on that, but I <laughs> I think the uh, my my uh, my kind of my quote on that billboard would be look up maybe. Um, you know I think that I think we do. You know I I, I totally you know I'm an advocate for tech and advocate for t- technology and digital and being on your mobile, but Sometimes we forget that you know being in real life and being in that moment sometimes is 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 important. And I've been guilty of that sometimes, Danny, where you're kind of like you're in conversation or you're out for a meal with people and you're sort of you're on your phone or at the very very worst you're kind of checking your phone when you shouldn't be when you get an application through when you're driving or something like that and it's just kind of like those moments of just like you know look up because uh, <laughs> while while technology can be used for the absolute greater good and the best. You know, it's we've got some huge benefits out of it. There's, we need to remind ourselves sometimes it isn't everything, and we need to just you know be in the moment and be in real life sometimes as well. Yeah, no, no, definitely. I think um, a couple of years, probably two or three years, when I was at Talk Talk, I went on this kind of it was like a it was like a digital boot camp. I can't. Remember. I think it was something something like that. Anyway, I had to create a video about digital, basically, and I, I learned on this journey kind of. When, you know, when you're out for a meal and, and someone's talking to you and you're on your phone, it's actually got a name back. It's called Fubbing. Right. So, it's, yeah, it's like yeah. A, yeah, so <laughs> there you go. Who knew? But again, it's maybe that what you're doing there is a bit of a chimp paradox. I mean, if you put a name to it, it's much easier then to kind of like relate to it and be able to call it out maybe. I don't know. But uh, yeah, yeah, well, I'm going to remember that for sure because I think there's a lot of people in my life that still do it. So they need to, and including myself, so I definitely need to um, do it less. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's one of the things I think once you once you realise it, you kind of go, ah, okay. I, I was at um a Mumford and Sons gig last week. Um mm. and kind of I just I was with my partner, I was like, right, I'm gonna take one video of this and then my phone's not coming out again. Like that. And it, it, yeah. It just it just it was kind of this whole actually, you know, we pay for these experiences, these gigs, these concerts, you know, when you got you know, I think when Last time I went to Glastonbury, my phone never seen light a day. Like, and there's a reason behind that. But it's kind of, you know, I think we've got so used to kind of taking these these pictures, and, and we never really look back at them anyway, do we? we? Might do the next day, but a week yeah. later, it's kind of forgotten about. It's a bit, yeah, you know, absolutely. you kind of get lost in it a little bit. And uh, you know, I think one thing I've, I I recognise, and you know, I don't want to go off on a tangent here, and you know, feel free to edit this bit, but when you watch someone else doing it, like going through their phone and like scrolling and you know, it's not you doing it, 
you can realize how bizarre, how like just odd it looks, you know, just kind of scrolling with like mind numbingly scrolling through the phone. Um, so yeah, I think that's there's something so there's something in that, you know, despite me being on the bandwagon of digital from an LD perspective, you know, I, I still think there's, you know, there's absolutely room to stop looking at your phone at one point and then being, you know, in the moment and having conversations with people. Because I think that's often when I look back at my career, the reason that maybe I've got to where I've got to is because it is about those moments where you do build relationships, make connections and have conversations really. Yeah, no. And I think it says a lot about your self-awareness as well and kind of yeah. I've, I've noticing that, I guess, you know, when you, when you talked about this mindless scrolling, you see at the, the one main place where I see that is usually when I'm on a tube and oh, I'm yeah. kind of, you know, you stood up and everyone sat down and you kind of can't help but look at what they're doing. And um, yeah, it's kind of, it's just that constant scroll, constant scroll. And you can tell they're not even, they're not even properly engaging. They're just scrolling for scro- scrolling skate. It's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that's, uh, there you go. That's my billboard, Danny. So hopefully, uh, but them saying that, I don't know if it would work because they're looking up at the billboard. They would already be looking up. So maybe it's kind of like, you know, I'd have to work on where the billboard would be located maybe. So it's a work in practice I like it so so this question you know when I've asked this question people have gone light touch people have gone deep and and it's up to you where you want to take this one but do you even like yourself (laughs) I think you've got to like yourself before you like others I mean that's my first thing or what do you say you've got to love yourself before you can love others Um, yeah I think I do I think I do. I think I. I think I. Get, I think that I would say that uh, I. I like to think I make enough people on this earth happy, um, and certainly bring a smile to their face, make them laugh enough to feel enough from that. That I would feel like, yeah, that I would like myself. Given that I give back to others, God, that was that was hard to do, but hopefully I answered that um clearly no 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 definitely definitely and I, I guess kind of you know me knowing you personally outside of this podcast I, I would I would wholly I would yeah I would agree with that Adam definitely thank you thank you well I will I will conti- try to continue making you laugh smile and all the rest of it Danny uh, for making me feel a bit more liked in myself maybe yeah good so. man good man <laughs> good man so so kind of going back from kind of where you are now and maybe Maybe, in fact, let's just see where this question takes you. So, can you remember the first time you ever got in trouble? Uh, yeah, I think I can. I think I remember trying to buy alcohol underage, Daddy. Um, I, or, I mean, like, I mean, do you mean in trouble in terms of, like, the police? Or do you mean... <laughs> it's wherever you want to take this one. <laughs> oh, man, well, I've already answered it now, haven't I? Yeah, um, yeah. I think that would probably be the most significant moment of my life when I was probably... Um, Maybe it was like in Summerfield or Iceland, I can't remember, but like I tried to buy booze underage and I got then escorted back in a police car back home. So that was that was a significant moment um, that I remember vividly. And so if I remember it that clearly, then it probably made a big impact on my life that it was the highest um, point of troublesome activity I've been involved in. <laughs> it, it's... Um... It's kind of like the stepping stones of life, right? That kind of mm. thing of underage trying to get alcohol. God, they were the days. They were the days. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But I, I haven't. I, I can assure listeners I haven't been in trouble with the law since then, so it's fine. I'm, I'm completely. That was the 
the, the most criminal activity I've been involved with. So um, that's that's good. Um, so hopefully when it gets aired, that's still the case. <laughs> yeah. Imagine if it was completely awkward and you'd been arrested yeah. and kind of in yeah, the nick. But... <laughs> and I was the only podcast guest that is actually in prison. <laughs> <laughs> so, so kind of coming back into kind of this L&D. So, yeah. and, and kind of, I think we've already touched upon it, but maybe, maybe, and, and and given kind of, you know, how much insight you've got into your new role, maybe you can apply it to that now or maybe you can apply it to kind of somewhere like maybe it's like ASOS or whatever, but kind of what what is L&D's problem? Um, man, I, I, there's, a, there's a few things here, I think. I mean, I think first of all, like L&D, the top, like the name learning and development, I think that, we get wrapped up in that. And like, I, I was chatting to Sue, I was chatting to someone the other day about how, when I try to explain to someone, Danny, what I do, and I say, I work in learning development and they're like, what's that? And I'm like, well, it's kind of HR, you know, in that people space. And they're like, oh, okay, well, what do you do? And I'm like, well, I train people. And they're like, what do you mean train people? Like, you know, what physically train them? Like, you know, like, like a, um, a personal trainer. I'm like, no, 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 I actually train them, you know, like, and then I have to then say I'm in a cl- in a classroom, and it's like, and maybe this is the thing that's kind of like causing L and D problems is that we're going kind to of still haven't got out of the habit of old language, the way of the way we almost position ourselves as like these the the, the trainers or you know we are the developers. It's like hold on a minute, it's kind of like that. The, maybe the, the the we're not doing ourselves any favors by like even the title of our department or even the role titles that we give ourselves from the very start. If we want to try and redefine and transform into being at the, having a seat at the table and being at the speed of business, then maybe, you know, learning and development needs a bit of a look at itself in the mirror and say, hold on, are we, you know, do we need to reevaluate like the job descriptions, the job titles and the, you know, the, even the words we're using to describe the roles in this space. Yeah. So I, I kind of go back and forth with this question and, you know, I find it hard sometimes on these podcasts. I try to remain really impartial. Mm. But but recently I put a post out to say, actually, l is not needed anymore. And, yeah. you know, if, if it was if it was a person, we would have performance managed them out now or whatever. Um, <laughs> and, and actually, kind of what I said was, Actually, maybe maybe the the new L and D isn't L and D, and you know it consists of many different parts, and and this is the parts what will make it better. But you know, I think L and D has its its value, and and it and it does, but I just think it, it just needs this massive shake. It needs a massive it shake. It does, and you know, it's going to take leaders and people to kind of show the way a little bit, and you know, and demonstrate you know be the change you want to see you know i can't sit here and moan and complain if i'm not you know trying to push for that you know the right the the right approach and the you know the way that we maybe should be thinking about learning development i think that you know but the beyond that danny you know beyond the titles and the names and the buzzwords i think that i think we um also probably are not empathetic enough learning development i think that you know we i know that you're a big advocate for this is like putting your users at the front of the queue you know, speaking to them, having dialogue with them, let you know, almost building with and for them. You know, I think that's really important. It's like you know, so much of learning and development. We're talking programs, courses, whatever it might be. You know, we it take months 
you know, spend ages developing stuff. And then we kind of, the only time we ask for feedback is right at the end of it. And what you often get is people go, yeah, it was nice to get out of the office or it was nice to, you know, talk to people that are doing the same job as me or whatever. But I think that's the thing. It's like anything, you know, you're building, you know, if we're talking like from a product point of view, whether it's resources, whether it's, you know, content, whatever you want to call it. I think it's if you kind of start with the user in mind and you, you're having that dialogue from the very start and you continue to kind of engage with them throughout that journey, you know, you're only going to move the dial closer and closer to where you're, to the problem you're trying to solve. If you are building stuff in isolation, then you're just kind of probably a million miles away from, you know, what the user actually wants. And then you're probably, you're, you're separating yourself further away from the business as well. And that's, I think ultimately, you know, you ask Danny, what's the problem? Is our, you know, learning development possibly too slow? You know, I think it's kind of like, we've got to take a lot of lessons from, you know, tech teams and working agile and, you know, working with MVPs and iterating and, you know, not, not having that one and done approach. How do you just build something, get it out there, get feedback on it quickly and keep on building it and keep on making it better rather than just trying to kind of make something that's perfect that might, might get like the fraction of what you're trying to achieve or solve the problem. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. Actually, I think kind of when just listening in and kind of just thinking about some dots going on in my head, and I think it's you know I think there's I think this is like a two part. Sometimes you've got the L and D teams who who have that and have a business backing. So if you look at say something what Trace is doing over at Sky, you know she she kind of has that business backing. They trust in her and and this iterate 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 and whatnot and. And then I think you've got other businesses who say, "Okay, we want this," but actually the, the business can is 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 built on foundations what don't doesn't allow it. So it's kind of like the the voice the voice says yeah, but business says no. The voice of the business says yeah, but the business says no because fundamentally the the business can't be set up to run like that. And no, I know you mean, and I think there's also a challenge as well is like it's the expectations of stakeholders or you know senior people who you know, shout the loudest that, you know, uh, what do they call them? I think hippos, isn't it? Highly paid people with opinions, something like that. <laughs> I, don't uh, I just think that like, sometimes it's forced on people, right? We, we've got to do L and D in this way because that's what we've always done or that person's asked for it. And I think the way to separate yourself and come away from that, Danny is, you know, something, you know, when I, when I was at ASOS and, you know, I, I kind of tried something different. It wasn't big. It was just, like off piste and it was a bit of experimentation and i think that if you can if you've got the problem if you know the problem you're trying to solve and you can run an experiment to move closer to solve that problem whatever it might be then and it's kind of if you do it with a small user group and you can quickly get feedback on it then that's what's what if you can do more and more of that then that that will help you rather than just trying to kind of you know if you are if you are facing barriers or obstacles in the business and go no we have to do it this way then be a bit maverick be a bit rogue and do something different then but do it in a way that allows you to quickly get feedback quickly experiment doing something you know don't run a training course do a lunch and learn don't don't do a lunch and learn bring people together and network don't do that at all and build resources that people can access anytime they want but if you as you try something get feedback on it and if you know you're getting closer to the point you're trying to get to which is the problem you're trying to solve then i think that that's the key really so because i do i do sympathize with people in learning development who want to be the agent for change want to try and do something different but they're held back by stakeholder demands and you know they're forced to be order takers and i think that the only way out of that is 
to try something a little bit different, but do it in a way that doesn't almost allows you to still kind of, do, you know, do the stuff you're supposed to be doing because people have asked to do it, but, you know, try something away from the, the norm or the day to day, really. Yeah, no, no, I, I agree. I think it's kind of taking, I think when it comes to kind of this, we want we want our teams to work agile you know, or whatever and, and and whatnot. It becomes this bigger system thinking approach, and mm. and actually, you know, kind of sometimes the the business when especially when it's a business of high of kind of you know this tall big hierarchy, you know that change that change will probably never come. Um, so kind of going back to what you're saying and kind of doing this small iteration and and kind of doing it more not on a, not on a hush hush but on a small test group, you know. And kind of proving its value very quickly and showing, okay, iterate, iterate, here's a value. Kind of, it, it, it kind of arms you, right? It arms you going into that stakeholder to say, we can do that way, but actually we've done this and we've done it faster and it actually it's a better whatever. So, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's good insight. So, I, I, I think so, Danny. I think that it's like that, you know, th- th- there's no other way. You know, I think that, you know, ASOS, like, and I, I, I've, talk, I've talked about this example before, but it was like, I think that it came to a point where I think it was born from frustration that we would continually run performance review training and it would involve, you know, managers being forced to come to a room, sit in it for three hours and then come out of it going, I only came for one thing. So I was like, well, there's, you know, and that was people would just say, give me the slides and all that sort of stuff. And it was like, it just became a little bit demoralizing. So I think like, I thought there must be a different way. And ultimately it was, you know, how can we, unpack all the problems or the challenges or the pain points that you're experiencing around performance review, you know, build content that you can grab it, get it. And when you need it. And I, I did that on the fly. I did that kind of like in a small, you know, I did that through a pilot of a small user group, got feedback in it on it quickly and then put it in front of stakeholders and said, look, you know, I managed to, you know, manage to get, get to these managers and solve that problem versus how long it would have taken me to put X amount of managers through on uh, training modules. And I think, you know, so yeah, it's, you're right. It's about having arm yourself with that evidence that you you can try something quickly and with a small user group and then come out of it with, um, I, I guess, the um, assets you need to be able to prove that you, you can you can move the dial without doing it the, the norm or what you've been asked to do. Yeah. No, definitely. I think that's sound advice, definitely. So so kind of coming away from this, and maybe, you know, w- one of the things which I think we see see in our industry a lot is kind of this, there's an echo chamber sometimes, and sometimes there's a lifting and shifting of ideas and not kind of giving nods to the, probably an original person who kind of come up with it or whatnot, and, you know, no idea is a, no idea is a new idea anymore. It's just an iteration of another idea. But, but what's your take on kind of, yeah, this is a two-part question, I guess. But what's your take on the the social presence of L and D at the moment, and social being social media? Kind of, what what's your take on their presence on that? Um, yeah, you mean on like, on terms of like the Twitter and like yeah. LinkedIn and yeah, um, I think it's got a good community, right? I think there's a it feels it feels like it's a good community. I think there's still a few people still trying to flog. Uh, traditional ideas and you know there's you can you see a few people going at loggerheads that kind of you know you know controversial opinions then they get challenged and whatever and I think that's that's completely normal but but I think that ultimately it feels like a strong community of people that um, one thing I'd say and I, I, again it's something I've echoed on previous podcasts and 
you know i think that's something i've taken away as a big thing in my career is lnd feels to me like if you're new in this space and you want to change or challenge yourself and whatever that people are willing to help you share ideas and and just be kind of welcome to you know give you their opinion i think that's really important to recognize i think that that's what i've come across is like i feel like i've even if i don't always stay in touch with people there's like a i know i can lean on people in this space where i'm like going what do you think of this you know like danny you talk you know you you you're a big advocate for this because you know you've you've set a lot of this stuff up yourself like communities etc and you know i can see that it's it's thriving in the, the space that you've created i think that that's i think that that's what lnd strikes me as a place where people will always continually be willing to share their ideas yeah yeah i completely agree i think you know i think there's for, for everything what you know for every one thing what's probably bad about it is you know like you say there's five things what's great about lnd and and fundamentally the people are some of the, you know the most sharing caring people within within an industry i guess um but so if i was to ask you kind of you know maybe it's a grad maybe it's apprentice i don't know or maybe it's just someone who's looking for the next career change why 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 should they get into lnd now given the fact of you know there's roles which are, are kind of you know much more that's how to put it's future proofing not future proofing much more focused on you know future skill sets and and whatnot. Why why should someone get into L and D now, especially with you know the other options that are out there? Yeah, I I, I refer back to Danny. We talked. You mentioned the article right at the very start about like um you know the Google and you know L and D's job is to do what Google can't, which is you know to explain to people and guide people to how to be successful in that organization. And I think that's the power that we have. And we can help people through their whole journey you know so for, you know i think that, that's the one thing that you, know, you can never underestimate about lnd is like you know that we can help people from the moment they literally start even pre-boarding from day one first week they grow into the company get used to the culture then go up to a line manager then go up another level you can, you've got enough you've got the opportunity to go right across the organization to help people through different transitions throughout their whole employee life cycle. And I think that's something you just can't, you know, you can't underestimate. And I think that's something that's like really powerful when you think about it. Um, and I think that's something that we, if I was trying to explain to someone that you have got that ability to do that, uh, said, you know, you've got to do it in the right way and you've got to kind of, you know, not, um, not, not make more pain for them by kind of, you know, uh, being a distraction from, from a, perspective of learning development but actually just guiding them and helping them along their way i think that's something i would say to them is that that whole employee life cycle from start to finish whenever it might be you've got an opportunity to to be there and help them at every step of the way so okay okay so so going back to that kind of thing and maybe maybe it is someone kind of who's coming into into our industry or maybe it's someone who's who's been in there and they need some inspiration who's the three people you recommend everyone should follow I knew you'd ask me this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I mean, like off the bat, straight away, um, you, Danny. Um, I think you know you're someone. I think that's like you know brings the LND community together. You know, with your series, and you've got a whole bunch of people that are kind of giving you a bit their opinion and their insights and their expertise. And I just think that's absolute gold. You know, I really do. So I think that straight away, you. But if if they're listening to you already, then you would assume they're already following you, right? So therefore. Um, I'll count that as one. Um, I think another one would be 
uh, David James, uh, a good friend, uh, a mentor, and someone I think I look to in terms of their kind of their insight and their kind of. They, I think he's someone who I would consider for sure the thought leader in that, that space. Um, alongside that would probably be Nick Shackleton Jones as well, who I know you know has obviously recently released his book. Um, obviously, I'm plugging it for him here, um, but it's you know those two guys, including yourself, would be. For me, the the guys that kind of not only bringing the LED community together, but really pushing the thinking and the boundaries of how we do it. Nice. All right. I will. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. You I appreciate that one, Danny. You accepting that? Like that I've, you know, that's your you're one of the three. Is that all right? Can you can you be? Can, can I mean, it feels good to be part of that three for sure. Um, so obviously, you know, I don't know David as well as you, but you know, I, I do know him, and, and and I think he's a top guy. Nick, I know personally. Um, so yeah, I think you know, I think that them two you mentioned are, are, are awesome, and and you know, they are the people who are who are bringing fresh ideas, and I think it's um it's it's nice to see. I think it's nice to see yeah. every every industry needs people like that, right? And it, it's it's a good place to be, I guess. And I like um, there's another chap that I've you know worked with a lot, ASOS Miles Ronan, who is someone who again like we I always talk about like user-centric design and user approach and putting the user at the front of the queue. This is someone who totally believes that. And I think that like, you know, you read their blogs, read his blogs, should I say, and, you know, you can see that, you know, user experience is, you know, top of the agenda when it comes to his thinking. So that's another one I would say. So Danny, if you're like out, then that's the three, but you can be included. So that's now four. So that's fine. Nice. Nice. I love you did there. <laughs> so, so kind of two really off piece questions. Yep. Question one: If you had to leave a set of instructions for world ends, and you've got to leave a set of instructions to jumpstart the next, the next generation, so to speak, what would your instructions be? Wow. Um, I wish I'd listen to previous podcasts and know like what sort of answers. <laughs> these que- these questions were in season one, so do not worry. Because <laughs> for the for the listeners, like like point of view, like I I mean. This is quite late at night now, and I'm like, no, I'm, no, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not struggling. It's fine. It's fine. I wish I had a beer in my hand right now to answer these questions. Sorry, but I don't. Um, so, right, just to recap on that, that is basically a set of instructions the world needs to start again. Yeah. All right. Um, I would say, be nice to each other. That would be my my first one. Is that that's kind of normal, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and yeah, that would be it. Sorry, Danny, you really pushed me on that one. Just be nice to each other. Because uh, okay. it's a lot harder and a lot more tougher and a bit more difficult to be not nice to people. Just be nice to people. There you go. I like it. Why Why? Why have five when you can do it in one, right? <laughs> Did you ask for five? No, 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 no. I just did a list. Um, but I always, whenever yeah. someone says this, I go, right, that's five things. That's right. literally my go-to. Right. Right. I'm not going to give you another four right now. That's the only one you're going to get. So okay, so maybe one more tough one coming yeah. coming to the end now. So I feel like I need to give you at least one tough one. Sure. Are humans better at creation or destruction, and why? Um. Wow, that is a big question. I, the one that jumped to my head straight away would be destruction. I think. Um, and maybe maybe I'm kind of maybe I went to that place first because I went to disruption of an destruction and I thought about like you know in my lifetime how much even technology has been disruptive 
and like you know the power of it and the kind of you 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 look at where where you were when i well where where we were when we're growing up and like how much your life has changed dramatically through that so i think there is i don't know but i think that feels to me like the most appropriate answer to give where you know we look at the world and we break it down and we go right how can we how can we make it better but we and we have to break things to do that sometimes and you have to kind of make mistakes and try things and I think that's kind of part of destruction, which hopefully has got a, a little link to disruption, which I think is a word that I, I, you know, certainly been using a lot more recently, but one that I've seen in my own lifetime that's just been unbelievable, really, you know, considering like how far we've come with regards to technology, et cetera. So Danny, I hope that's a good enough answer for you. It is, it is, <laughs> it is. It's a good answer. So kind of coming to the end and kind of right at the very start, eh? um, I asked you kind of to pick four numbers mm. and your four numbers are telling you to sort four, four random gifts, um, things on my list. So you're on a desert island and you find these four items and your items are some toothpaste. Nice. Some, bu- some bubble bath. Yep. A nail clipper. Yep. And a bra. So you're on a desert island. What are you doing with these four items? So I've got a toothbrush. A toothpaste. Toothpaste, right, yeah. yeah. Um, some bubble bath. Yeah. Nail clippers. Yeah. And a bra. Um, right, have a little think about this. Um, I mean, I just suppose if I'm on a desert island, I, I feel like they're good items to like keep clean with apart from the bra i mean like i you know i feel like i'd be able to like maintain um some sort of good hygiene regime uh <laughs> hair and beauty etc <laughs> well maybe not hair in fact but just like you know clipping my nails having nice smelling breath and you know jumping in the sea and having a bubble bath and that kind of feels like i'd be able to kind of look after my health from a hygiene perspective with the bra, I don't know, Danny. I think that um, I would just maybe kind of, if I was that lonely, I would have to kind of like maybe kind of design a another another kind of friend that was like you know from sticks and stuff that had a bra just to make it look <laughs> human, maybe. Just because I'm that desperate and that lonely, not to say that I would, I would just look at it from afar and go, "There's another person there" because they've got. A bra on. I mean, I feel like I'm losing the plot a little bit. I feel like I'm on that desert island now, and I've actually gone insane. Um, <laughs> yeah, for the top three: the toothpaste, the bubble bath, and nail clippers. Totally, just like you know, look after myself and keep all clean. So when I do get rescued, and then when I do get rescued, I'll have my stick friend who has a bra on. So there you go. Beautiful. Gee, Beautiful. That was that was tough. <laughs> So, so kind of right at the very start, I kind of asked you, what, you know, what you wanted to be when you grew older. And I, as you know, Adam, you know, we never really stop growing. We never stop truly developing. So if I was to ask you now, Adam, what do you want to be when you grow up? What would you say now? What would I say now? Um, yeah, I think I've given up on the cartoonist thing, Danny. I think that, um, you know, drawing Bart Simpson was about as good as it got, really. <laughs> so I... I guess what would I want to be when I grow up? Definitely not. On, I mean, I, I would maybe a normal man. Is that all right? <laughs> <laughs> Can I give that answer? Uh, uh, no, I, I think that um, 
this is really stumped me now, if I'm honest. I think that, um, I think maybe it sounds really lame, but no, it doesn't sound lame at all. I think like given, you know, the, the training part of it, I think that, and given the learning development experience, I think, you know, just something I've never done, but maybe kind of like would like to do is like work with kids and train kids and teach kids. I think that would be like something I'd be kind of, um, that was something I would maybe look to do potentially, um, you know, whether it's kind of a, a career I venture into or never do. Um, I think it's something I always thought that would be quite heavily rewarding and, you know, you get a lot back from that. Um, so, yeah, I think it's got a little slight link to development, but yeah, from an education perspective, I think like teaching kids would be in some capacity, I don't know whether that would be a primary, secondary, whatever, but that would be maybe what I want to be when I'm older. Nice, nice. I think, so I was lucky enough to kind of work with some young adults and some of them had kind of been abused or had learning difficulties. Um, I'd say young adults are probably from 16 to 21 and it was by far one of the most rewarding things I've ever done. So I think, yeah, if you, if you get the opportunity, definitely, I think you'll you'll love it, definitely. Awesome, thank you, Danny. So, so Adam, we're at the end, but I guess kind of where can people where can people find out a little bit more about you, follow you, stalk you in, in the passive way, like in the good yeah. way, where? I'm happy to open up all social means. Um, I think Adam Harwood twenty at Adam Harwood twenty six is my Twitter account. I'd like to think I will uh, start tweeting a lot more. Um, you know, obviously be tweeting about this 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 podcast when it comes out. But like in terms of like going into this new new venture and this new role, and um, and I think in terms of LinkedIn as well, just find me there. Um, you know, Adam Harwood. Um, no, you know, to kind of um, look much. I think I'm I'm I may be one of. 10 Adam Harwoods um so you know hopefully you'll know what one that is uh but yeah it's uh I'd like to I'd like to I'd like to kind of post a bit more as much as I can but yeah um where possible I will send updates um on how I'm getting on and what I'm doing awesome well Adam it's been an absolute pleasure thank you very much for coming on the show thank you very much darling take care enjoy the rest of the evening bye-bye